Hey everyone, welcome to the Overflow Podcast, where pastor, author, speaker, and consultant Jim Stern explores various benefits and blessings of life lived in the overflow of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's love. There is so much to discover, to learn, to feel, and to see when God goes first and we live in the overflow. All right, here we go with another edition of Overflow. Overflow, we exist. We do overflow every single week, well, almost every single week, to deliver words, the word of the living God that works. The word of the living God that works. Man, you and I live on the battlefield of life. And if the words of the Lord that we're receiving, if our Bible studies, if our training, if our discipleship, whatever, doesn't work, doesn't translate into victory on the battlefield, then, man, we just don't have... We don't have a lot of time for it, man. We got bombs dropping, bullets flying. We're taking hits regularly, and uh, we need gear that works. And so, man, I pray that the content that we deliver through Overflow equips, invigorates, inspires, uh, gives you wisdom, uh, and really trains you and equips you to live in victory every single day on the battlefield as the bombs are dropping and the bullets are flying, man, real life. It's tough stuff, man. It's tough stuff. Uh, it is It is tough stuff, and we can't pretend that it's anything less. We're pressing in this year in the, the life of Jotham, King Jotham, Judean king, whose story can be found in 2 Chronicles 27. We distilled from his life three key elements. If we want to have a great life, we're applying the 2024. I want to have a great 2024. We distilled from the life of Jotham, who the scripture says in, in 2 Chronicles 27, 6, that Jotham was mighty because he ordered his ways before the Lord. He he was mighty because he ordered his ways before the Lord. And we say, okay, what does that mean? Break that down. How did he order his ways before the Lord? We see three key elements in the summary of Jotham's life, Second Chronicles 27, that he ordered before the Lord. Be, build, and fight. Be, build, and fight. If I want to, if I'm gonna walk in the fullness of who God my Father. Uh, has created me to be, then I need to be who he says that I am. I need to build what he tells me to build. I need to fight what he tells me to fight. I love that. Oh, I love that because it's nice and uh, simplifying, simplified. I was working through it this morning, my quiet time with the Lord. Uh, some some things that he is leading me to build in, in uh, 2024. And so hopefully those simplifications will be uh, meaningful to you in your life as well. We got to be who God our Father wants us to be. We got to build. We got our Father wants us to build. We got to fight what it is that God our Father wants us to fight. Right now, we're digging into past few weeks in overflow. We're digging into what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. And uh, while it would be nice, and it would be so nice if we could just be our own person, be nourished on good things and left alone by the bad things, we could just live our lives. I mean, this is not the reality of the world in which we live. Our identities, who we are, is under assault continuously under assault from all sorts of different directions. And so if we want to live in the vibrancy of who God our Father says we are, we've got to be able to know who the enemies, who the forces and the persons are in the arena of life that we can walk, get liberated from them and stand strong against them so that we can enjoy all that God our Father has for us. And today we're going to press into an area of life that is uh, has a lot of confusion and misunderstanding, but that Jotham actually speaks to, the life of Jotham speaks to, and that's the, uh, this is the area of generational issues, generational issues. Well, what does it look like to have various things passed on to us 
from our moms uh, and our dads because if we're going to walk in God's fullness, we must accept how much the generational line into which we are born affects our vitality. we got to accept it. You cannot run from it. Well, you can run from it, but it's not going to do you any good. You're locked in prisons that you don't have to be locked in because you're unwilling to deal with your generational issues or just don't know how. And we want to we want to press into that. It's really frustrating to me how affected I have learned or how much I've learned that I'm affected by my own parents and my grandparents. Um, uh, but, you know, the ways that your mom and dad and other adults raised you have had tremendous impact on your vitality. The good stuff baked in has been really good, but the bad stuff can can be really can be really bad. So obviously each of us receives DNA from our moms and dads, biology. We know we receive DNA, but we, we also receive biblically. We also inherit Adam's sinful nature from our parents for we are born sinners. The transmission of Adam's sinful nature is transmitted through, uh, uh being born to, uh, fellow sinners, moms and dads, grand, grandmas and grand and granddads. Uh, and the shape of our personalities, the shape of our personalities is also dramatically affected by our moms and dads, as can be behaviors and tendencies. Our personalities, our behaviors, our tendencies can all be dramatically affected generationally. For example, here's one, one thing about substance abuse. Substance abuse, here's a quote from uh, the National, uh, uh, National Institutes of Health. Uh, the, the link is in the blog if you want to go uh, and, and research this article. The substance abuse also appears to be highly transmissible from one generation to the next. That's no surprise. We've known that for a long time. But what about anger? Is there a connection of anger generationally? Well, in a separate article also found in the National Institutes of Health, we get this quote, children who grow up in aggressive families are more likely to be aggressive in the families they create as adults. Intergenerational transmission, as this phenomenon is known, refers to experiencing aggression in one's family of origin, either witnessing aggression between one's parents or directly receiving aggression from one's parents as a risk factor for future aggression toward intimate partners or one's own children. In other words, there is a generational connection. There can be a generational connection between anger. So we've got to press into generational issues if we're going to walk in supernatural freedom. Unfortunately, oftentimes identifying one's generational issues can be super challenging, can be super challenging. Identifying the bad stuff passed on from mom and dad can be challenging because it's all you've ever known to you. In fact, it is quite normal. In fact, it's quite normal. So here's a funny little quip that We've developed to illustrate the challenge of identifying one's generational issues. Identifying your generational issues can be like hearing your own accent. Everybody else talks funny. You talk normal until you get around other people and they tell you you sound like a hick or some Northeast sophisticate or, you know, whatever it is that you sound like. Uh, So, So we have a challenge. How do we discern what are our issues? How do we discern what are our generational issues? One easy way, in fact, the easiest but most probably most painful way to discover what your generational issues are is to get married. Yikes, is to get married. Your spouse didn't grow up in your family, so what is normal for you can be exceptionally not normal. That's a kind way to say it. Exceptionally weird, uh, exceptionally harsh to them. Uh, spouses, you would be very wise to listen to your partner's insights about what they see uh, in your family. 
But when you point out, <clears throat> if you're the one who's pointing out generational issues in your spouse, uh, be gentle. Please be gentle. You share observations about your spouse's family. Lather up the truth you're about to say with a lot of grace and love. With a lot of grace and love for pointing out family issues in others can get super sensitive. People can get super sensitive and wonky about their generational issues. Is there any other way to identify your generational issues other than getting married? Yes, there is. And it is the way that Jotham did it. You can identify your generational issues by using scripture as your standard for life. If you run your family of origin through the grid of biblical truth about life, you're going to be surprised at what the Holy Spirit will show you. That's exactly what Jotham did. Let me show you. Let me show you how this works out. In Exodus chapter 30, verse 7, God our Father establishes that priests are those responsible for burning incense in the temple. Exodus chapter 30, verse 7, priests are the ones responsible for burning incense in the temple. Aaron, the scripture says Aaron, who is the first priest through whom Yahweh establishes the priesthood, Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on the altar. He shall burn it every morning when he trims the lamps. According to scripture, burning incense in the temple was the priest's job. That's the priest's job. But 2 Chronicles 26, 19 says King Uzziah, who is Jotham's dad, King Uzziah, who is Jotham's dad, entered the temple and burned incense, enraging the priests. Consequently, God struck Uzziah with leprosy. Leprosy, interestingly, 2 Chronicles 26.16 reveals that Uzziah did this because of pride. Because of pride. So, the sin of pride became strong in Jotham's dad. Jotham's dad. But, Jotham applied God's word to his father's actions, saw the potential for intergenerational transmission, and chose to reject this aspect of his dad. Chose to reject this aspect of his dad. So, 2 Chronicles 27.2, in this introductory statement about the life of Jotham, watch this, 2 Chronicles 27.2, this introductory statement about the life of Jotham says this, Jotham did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his dad Uzziah had done. However, he did not enter the temple of the Lord. Ooh, man, the generational wisdom, the generational impact of that verse. And you would never know it. You would read that and gloss over it and be confused by it. And if you're even reading Second Chronicles as part of your Bible study. But look and listen to this. Let it pop off the page again. Jotham did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Uzziah had done. So in the case of, of Jotham, Uzziah, he had a good dad. Uzziah was a great model of faithfulness in, in many aspects. Jotham didn't have to reject the totality of his dad. He didn't have to dethrone the totality of his dad. But, but, his dad fell prey to the temptation of pride. So much so that he acted in disobedience. Uzziah acted in disobedience in pride by going into the temple and lighting incense, which as a king was expressly forbidden. That was the purview, according to God's word, that was the purview of the priests. And so Jotham recognized by applying scripture as the litmus test for life, he applied scripture against his dad's behavior, against what his dad was doing, and said, 
uh, uh, this is ungodly and this is not what I'm going to do. And he chose to reject this aspect of his dad. He got freed. Jotham was freed. He was freed from this potential intergenerational transmission, this potential intergenerational threat so that he could walk in the fullness of who God our Father had for him to be. He could build in the way that God our Father had for him to build. He could fight in the way that God our Father led him to fight. So, what about your family? What does the Holy Spirit reveal to you in the name of Jesus as you apply the standard of Scripture to your family of origin? Let me give you some examples. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, for building up, for edification, for building up people according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. But you were raised in a home of sarcasm or judgmental language or harshness. In the use of language, maybe your mom or dad or both were wrong. Now, maybe your mom and dad were total failures and you need to reject them in totality. Or maybe your mom and dad gave you great examples in some areas of life, like, like Jotham's dad Uzziah did. But this is one area of their, of their parenting that you need to reject. What was the kind of language in your family of origin in your home? Matthew 6, let me go on and give you another example. Matthew 6, 24. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. You can't pursue God and pursue money at the same time. But you were raised in a home that worshipped money and material possessions. Your parents raised you on materialism and, and labels and those kinds of things. Well, maybe in other areas of their parenting, they did a great job. But in this area, you have to identify that as a generational and intergenerational transmission, a generational issue, and you've got to reject the teaching. You've got to reject the ways of mom and dad or both in that area of your life. What about a third example? Jesus speaks against empty religion, hypocritical religion. Yikes. Matthew 17, Matthew verse 15, verse 7 and 8, he is rejecting the religious hypocrisy of his day. And he says, you hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honor me with their lips. This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. You were raised in a religious family, regular church attenders, but experienced the superficiality of mom and dad's faith and their lack of authenticity. Your mom or dad or both of them are wrong. You've got to reject. You've got to reject. If you're going to live into the fullness of who God our Father wants you to be according to his word for your life, to build what God our Father wants you to build in the way he wants you to build, if you want to fight the, 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 what God our Father wants you to fight in the way he wants you to fight it, you've got to be able to identify these generational issues and overcome them in the name of the Lord. Let me give you one more. Matthew 26, 36 to 46 details the way in which Jesus processes his real intense emotions in the Garden of Gethsemane. Real intense emotions. But... You were trained by your mom or dad or both in very unhealthy emotional patterns. Ooh, man, that's a lot of us. Very unhealthy emotional patterns. You got to reject the teaching. You got to reject the lies. You got to reject the bad teaching that your mom and dad gave you. You got to reject that, break that generational line and, and embrace what it is that God our Father has for you now. The examples could go on and on and on to grace and mercy and laziness and lust, divorce, gluttony, and more. Hopefully you're seeing the pattern. 
The only right standard for life is the biblical standard. It is the filter by which we must allow the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus to identify our generational issues. This exercise is often exceedingly, exceedingly painful. One of the hardest things that I do is walk with people through their generational issues. Can be super challenging. Can be super challenging. Wounds caused by family members can be easy. Can easily be the deepest and widest. Violations of trust can take a long time to work through. Don't be in a hurry. Be in the pace of our Father and know in the name of Jesus, because of the surpassing greatness of our Father toward us, there's always hope. No matter how dark your family life was, no matter how twisted and perverted the things your family did to you because of the surpassing greatness of the power of God that is toward us who believe, there's always hope. So how does freedom from these identified issues work? We talked about what generational sin is and what it looks like generational sin looks like. We, we gave some examples. We saw it in the life of, uh, uh, of Jotham with his parent, with his dad, Uzziah. How does this work? First, freedom works by embracing our adoption. Freedom works by embracing our adoption. To give one's life to Christ is to be adopted out of one's old generational line into the lineage of King Jesus. Galatians 4, 4 to 7. Your father so wanted you in his family that he paid your adoption price of the life of Jesus. That's intense desire. That's intense desire. But to embrace your new family, you must dethrone your old family. You've got to dethrone your own family. While your mom and dad are still your parents, they no longer have the same positional influence previously held. They cannot maintain the same positional influence in your life. Only God the Father, Jesus the King, the Holy Spirit can reign in your life. Freedom first works by embracing our adoption. Second, freedom works by abiding in specific truth. This is key, man. You've got to lock into this. Freedom works by abiding in specific truth. Listen to this, John 15, 9. Jesus is training his disciples and he says this, just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you abide in my love. It's not enough to know it. It's not enough to be able to explain it. You have to abide. You have to soak. You have to marinate in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, abiding in Jesus's kind of love. Catch this abiding in Jesus's kind of love not the love of your mom or your dad or culture, was the corrective force strong enough to overcome generational perversions, misconceptions, and bad teachings about love. Pre-Jesus, the disciples had all sorts of various experiences about love. Jesus came to correct, to break, to teach, to retrain. And the reality of what divine, holy, perfect love is supposed to look like in experience And the only way that freedom is going to work was by embracing adoption, new family, and abiding in specific truth, resting and soaking in new truth. So if you were raised in a judgmental family, you need to abide in grace. Excuse me. If you were raised in a materialistic family that denied spirituality, you need to abide in the person of the Holy Spirit. If you are raised in an angry home, you need to abide in mercy. Depending on the depth and width of the pain, this step may be one you're going to stay in your entire life. You're just going to stick in that your entire life. Freedom from generational issues requires abiding in specific truth, allowing the Holy Spirit to soak you in a new way of believing, seeing, feeling, and and behaving. Now, quick insertion. And this is too long for us to get into here, but we need to do, and I'll I'll do a follow-up deal on um, the role of spiritual warfare and generational transmission. There's a whole different deal we have to get into uh, with respect to that, but and I want to insert that here. 
Uh, suffice it to say, uh, uh, freedom works by abiding in specific truth. Third, third, so we embrace our adoption. We abide in specific truth. Third, freedom works by surrounding yourself with healthy people who live in the overflow of God's love. You got to be surrounded by healthy people. We've already seen many times uh, uh, in the Trinity that, that God our Father exists in community. Uh, relationships are significantly important to our own personal health and vitality. Uh, you need to be around other free people. You, you can't be surrounded, continually surrounded by negative people, people that are operating in negativity. If you think you're going to walk in the positivity and the healing of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not going to happen. So freedom works um, uh, by surrounding yourself with other healthy people. Uh, you got to be, you got to be in new, new relationships. We have in these new relationships, we open, openly share our journeys and listen to and support others that are in their journeys. Oftentimes I know trust has been significantly damaged. You need to pray and ask the Holy spirit to lead you to safe people. Be careful who you let in your heart. You got to establish open boundaries or excuse me, appropriate boundaries that as much as possible safeguard against the wrong people while letting in the right people. Pray, ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom in that. Freedom works by surrounding yourself with healthy people who live in the overflow of God's love. Fourth, lastly, freedom works by engaging in one's new mission. Engaging in one's new mission. Regardless of the degree of generational pain one has experienced, God our Father has incredible, deep, meaningful kingdom work to be done. Incredible kingdom work mean to be done. Needing to be done. Well, listen, your generations can have severely damaged for you what it means to be who you are. Severely damaged. And the power of God our Father who you are can be totally transformed and restored in the kingdom of God, who you are, what it means to be who you are. And the overflow of that, he's got work for you to do and fights for you to fight. You are not defined by that which was done to you. You are not, at least you don't have to be. You don't have to be. Jotham gives us a clear example of how intergenerational transmission can pollute destroy, corrupt our present vitality. All parents, check this, all parents are on the spectrum from complete failure to loving and faithful. Every single one of us are, myself included, regardless of whether, regardless of where yours were or are, we are dramatically affected by being their children. Like Jotham, we cannot experience the fullness of being who our father created us to be apart from appropriately healing from their parenting. This is life in the overflow. Being in the overflow happens when we let the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit go first in defining who we are, declaring who we are, healing us from past wounds, and setting our feet on solid ground, charting a new course in our lives. I know the pain of generational work, and I know the effectiveness of Satan to keep us locked in generational bondage. Man, I hope this has been helpful to you. Another step in your clarity of what this looks like. Jotham's teaching us a lot of great stuff. You never even knew it was there. We got more to peel apart. Send this, please, of all messages, of all overflow messages, send this. So many of our brothers and sisters live in inferiority, trapped in a tortured middle because they have no clue about generational issues. Will you share this on your highways and byways, your social media network? Subscribe to the channel so that you can continue to get front row seat at all the good stuff that God our Father is delivering from us as we seek to deliver words that work on the battlefield of life that we can live in the overflow of all that God our Father has for us, reaching people one person, one step, one issue at a time, advancing our Father's kingdom and bringing as many people as we can into the overflow of his love for them. God bless you, and we'll be together again real soon. Thank you for joining us in the overflow. 
To find a blog connected to today's session where you can engage with Jim and others, go to trexo.org forward slash blog. This podcast is made available through the gracious giving of people just like you. If you would like to help us bring more people into the healing waters of our Father's love, you can do so at trexo.org forward slash donate. We will be back next week for another edition of Overflow.